Welcome to Honest Money. On today's episode, Warren Ingram speaks to Craig Isaacson from Unlimited Solar to see how you can cut down on your monthly water and electricity costs. Warren and Craig speak about using solar solutions, small changes you can make around your house, what grid-tied solar solutions mean, what the lifespan of a solar setup is, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and share if you're enjoying the show. Welcome to another very interesting, very different episode of Honest Money. I'm joined today by Craig Isaacson, who's from a business called Unlimited Solar. Uh, and I'm going to give Craig a chance to speak now. But but just for, for you listening, uh, why have I got someone from Unlimited Solar on the Honest Money show? Uh, have I lost the plot? Have we, have we run out of content? Uh, and I think to, to, to give you some background, we're going to be talking about uh, f- firstly two aspects to, to money. One is how to save money. So how do you control your spending? How do you take a bit more, exercise a bit more control on the way your money gets allocated for uh, wh- whether it be water or electricity? And, and then secondly, a, a slightly different slant on investing. So how do you put money down now? to save money for the future. And it, it could be on future expenses. It could be to add value to, to a property or a house, et cetera. So, so I think it's a, it is an honest money show. It is about money. It's just a different way of, of, of looking at money. And then lastly, and it's, and it's kind of quite personal for us uh, on honest money. It's about allocating your, your, your money in a way that, that builds the future. It's about saying, you know, we want to stop spending money um, you know, on coal-fired coal power plants and on fossil fuels, et cetera. We're trying to, to kind of allocate money to the future so that you know, between us, our kids and our children's children one day actually have a place to, to live and breathe fresh air, et cetera. And, and so this is, uh, you know, th- this is really topical and, and kind of close to our hearts. So, Greg Isaacson, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Warren. Thanks a lot for, for having me on the show. I'm uh, excited to get started. So, so uh, Craig, I know you're not a, a media star, and this isn't something you do all day. So, uh, so I'm, I'm really grateful to you that, that you take the time and be brave enough to to kind of share your knowledge and 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 uh, help help us uh, learn a bit more about this. So, so I thought maybe you know let's kick off uh, um, t- talking about maybe looking at this um, as a form of investment. I know you you feel quite strongly that uh, that actually the the, the uh, uh, kind of an investment in solar or an investment in water saving technology is actually an investment and I'd, I'd love you to tell me more about that so i think there are a few different ways to look at um at solar and one angle is certainly as an investment so so solar as an investment i suppose for the homeowner would be in the form of uh, a solar geyser um or maybe a, a grid tied solar system uh, traditionally solar as an investment um, is more for, uh, you know, geared towards um, maybe corporates in the sense that you'll get the best return on investment in environments where you'll use the power during the day when the sun is shining without storing it in batteries at all. So that's typically in um, commercial properties or uh, shopping centers, hospitals, um, you know, any factory, commercial or industrial building. Um, Really, that's the best way to get a return on investment. So it would mean that you'd install solar panels on the roof and uh, those solar panels would basically feed into your DB board and uh, uh, supplement the power that you're using. You know, would maybe make up a, a large percentage of the power that uh, you're using uh, at the time. That's really the, you know, solar as an investment. Um, and then I suppose... 
to, you know, to touch on just a broader term, you know, investment. Investment may not, you know, just be financial. And in South Africa, we do find ourselves in a situation where, uh, you know, we have load shedding and, and we do have uh, a great deal of sun and solar panels do work well. So we do have an opportunity to, to cater for that as well. Uh, not really a financial investment, but more of a lifestyle kind of investment. So, so there's quite a bit to discuss there. Uh, I, I want to come back to some terms here. So when you're talking about solar, solar is not just then me putting a, a panel on my a solar panel on my roof and and a you know battery in my basement and and off we go. When when you're talking about solar, it could also be the, the solar geyser that I use to 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 heat my water for my showers or. Uh, if people are still doing baths, then uh, bathing as well. Um, and and I just wanted to get a kind of a sense from you. You know, in a typical house, if 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 I if I were to to say I've got a little bit of money and and I want to save the most money on 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 electricity costs, how, how do I allocate that money to a solar geyser or to uh, to solar panels? So I'd certainly say that the geyser is the, the place to start. It's it's the right place to start geysers traditionally make up about 35 to 40% of a, your total electricity bill at home oh. in a typical household. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be solar necessarily, but if you bought a solar geyser or a heat pump or a gas geyser, you know, you'd certainly save a, a substantial chunk of that. Um, with solar geysers or heat pumps, obviously we aim to save you probably around 70% of of that 40%, so kind of 28 to 30% maybe of the total bill. Um, a gas geyser, obviously, you'd save 100% of the electricity consumption, but, you know, you'd still be paying for gas. So they're more, you know, there's more than one way to reduce your geyser spend, and you don't have to, you know, kind of spend all that money up front. You could look at maybe installing a geyser timer, um, you know, maybe, you know, look to alter the times that you're showering and, uh you know, make small adjustments, you know, lifestyle adjustments that could help um, reduce your geyser spend. But the geyser, in our opinion, would be the, you know, the best place to start. So, so t t tell us a bit more. Uh, you, you mentioned you adjust the time when you would shower. How, how does that help? So I'm saying if you've got uh, more than one person in a household and you could, you know, you kind of knew when you needed to heat the geyser. So if you showered at six in the morning and eight o'clock at night, you'd only turn the geyser on for an hour or two before each of those shower times rather than having it on, you know, all day. Um, you know, just okay. to make minor lifestyle adjustments that could make a small difference. So, so there, there is a great money saving tip already. I mean, even if you can't afford the geyser, put a timer on, uh, a solar geyser, sorry, then put a timer on your geyser and make sure that you're not running it all the time. Uh, and that, that will already save you money. And if that, if that gives you enough money to buy the solar geyser as well, uh, a, a great effort. Um, I must say it's something that I've done uh, a while ago now, and, and it did make a huge difference to our electricity bill. Was just uh, you know uh, putting on a solar geyser. Unfortunately, because I didn't speak to Craig about this, I put the solar panels and the batteries on before I put the solar geyser. So so um, my electricity bill plummeted after I put the geyser on. So I think it, it makes sense what you're saying. And, and Craig, I want to talk a little bit about another piece of jargon there, uh, um, a grid-tied solar solution. What is a grid-tied solar solution? So when we talk about a grid-tied so solar solution, uh, we speak about panels on top of the roof feeding directly into your DB board through an inverter without using any batteries. So directly linked to the grid. 
um, meaning that you wouldn't be storing the power at all. As you produced it, you'd hopefully be using it in your facility. Um, that is the, I guess, simplest and cheapest way to install a solar PV system, a solar electrical system. Um, and that's why it's got, you know, the best return on investment because you, you, you don't have uh, any batteries in the system which are costly. Um, but at the same time, you wouldn't have any backup. So even if you had a power outage or load shedding, you know, during the day when the sun was shining, your system wouldn't, uh, you know, be producing power at that time because it needs the grid. It's tied to the grid. It's, uh, you know, runs in parallel to the grid. So it okay. needs the grid to function. So, so that's, a, that's a straight money-saving uh, option. That's not about, um, about building any kind of backup from ESCOM, from load shedding or anything. That's just about saying, I'm spending uh, whatever it is, five grand a month on electricity. And if I put some panels on my roof uh, and, and plug that into my house, I can find a way to spend a bit less. Uh, and, and over time, hopefully I get a financial reward from the panels that I've, the, the upfront cost of the panels. Correct. So it's um, proven to be very popular uh, in, you know, sort of industrial buildings where guys use a lot of electricity and uh, landlords are certainly installing a lot of these kind of systems um, e either to make their buildings more attractive to potential tenants with the lower electricity bills where they pass on the savings or to, as an investment for themselves where, you know, they'll supply power um, at the ESCOM or, or municipal rate to their tenants and uh, kind of they'll make the difference in the saving. Okay. Um, so so let's jump a bit more to to uh, how people, I mean, there's sort of two dynamics that I pick up when I, when I have conversations about solar with, with you know, home users. And, and one is they're so tired of load shedding, they're so tired of relying on ESCOM to, to supply their power that they want to get off the grid altogether. <clears throat> in other words, they, they want to have their own power that they produce in whatever form and, and they don't rely on a municipality or a government entity of any description. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And, and then the other option uh, is, is, you know, people who say, well, I'm happy to use my own power for a certain proportion of what I spend and, and a certain proportion of my, my consumption of electricity, and I'm happy to use ESCOM for, a, for another portion. And if there's load shedding, it, it means that, you know, whatever it is, 50 or 80% of my power is still okay because I've got it. But but the last twenty percent I can't use, um, and and I just want to get an idea from you for, for for people that are that that go completely and I think the jargon's off grid now. Now I sound like I know what I'm talking about and I don't. But but for people who go, you know, want no reliance on on ESCOM or City Power or whatever it is wherever they live, they want to be on their own. Let's call that off grid, um, and that doesn't mean that they're a doomsday prepper living in the middle of nowhere. That's that's someone that could be living in the middle of a city, but they just want to do their own thing. Is that significantly more expensive than someone who says, I'll, I'll provide some of my own power and, and some of my own storage, uh, you know, but, I'm, but I'm not going to be completely off-grid? What, what's the kind of difference there? Is it big or is it small? No, it's very big. It's, uh, it's massive. So, again, we, we also get a lot of people coming in saying that uh, they want to go off-grid, but it's more, of, uh, it's more emotional than anything else. I think, as you rightly said, people are fed up with ESCOM and, and load shedding and, you know, just the massive inconveniences around it. So uh, for, for us, it's a lot about managing people's expectations. Obviously, it is possible to go off-grid if you've got uh, the budget for it 
and you you know have enough roof space and you know certainly you can go off grid but the vast vast majority of people will you know rather install what we refer to as a hybrid system meaning as you said earlier that uh, you know back up their essential items and that's different per you know per person some people you know just want a few lights and to watch tv other people need uh, you know a bit more security and uh, and their fridges to run and uh, some people need their bitcoin machines to run you know that's uh, neither here nor there but it's it's more of a popular scenario that uh, we'll kind of you know talk to people and say look escom's not all that bad at the moment you know rather get a an affordable system that's got enough backup so that you're comfortable during load shedding and and that's really where we call it a lifestyle investment more than just a financial obviously there's a saving financially but uh, you know it's more that you that you're comfortable during load shedding so uh, on on that uh, on that note i'm thinking about someone living uh, in an apartment block you know they um what do they do if they if they want to save a bit of money uh, um, or, or at least get a bit of backup. How, how do they? I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing it would be very difficult in an apartment block to go and put up your own solar panel somewhere, uh, or even your own solar geyser. Is, is there anything that someone like that can do? So I think certainly it can start uh, with small things. Um, you know, firstly, just to be conscious of where you're using power from from a savings point of view. Let's start with that. So I think it would be just to understand where you're using power and to be more aware of it. If you're more aware of it, you're always more likely to do the small things that, you know, certainly do add up if you, if you do enough of them. So that would be maybe, uh, you know, turning off lights if you leave a room, um, installing low flow shower roses, you know, really inexpensive exercises. Um, let, let, let's stop there for a second, Craig. Uh, it, it's, are we talking about plants now? Low flow shower roses. What's what? What are we on now? Where so, are we so a, a low flow shower rose would be uh, just a shower head that's that's got a, a small maybe aerator, which is a little fitting that uh, I guess in simple terms um, adds air to the uh, you know to your shower to make it feel like it used to feel. But maybe it uh, it will use a, a bit less electric, a, a bit less water than it used to. Um, by using less water, obviously you'll save a bit of water, and you will save on uh, electricity as well. Because if it's hot water, there's a cost to heating that. So okay. you know, the less you use, the less you'll have to reheat, type of thing. Um, so those are small ways I'd say that uh, people living in complexes could save. People living in high-rise apartments could save. Um, a lot of the newer buildings are um, being built with solar in mind. So uh, developers um, are installing solar panels on these buildings already. A lot of them are, are already quite energy efficient. Um, and then just to make sure that the, your appliances are energy efficient. So if you've got uh, most of the newer appliances are, but if you you know bought a new fridge just to be aware of uh, you know the, the the energy rating. Most appliances have different energy ratings on them, which uh, customers can research before they buy a new appliance. Whether that's a, a kettle or a fridge, um, you know those those are small ways that you can save. And um, then in terms of backup, it's not too complicated to install a 
you know, a small inverter and a battery backup system, um, e- even in an apartment block, even in a, you know, one or two bedroom ap- uh, apartment, that's, uh, th- they all have their own DB boards and uh, that's not complicated at all. So certainly people can uh, have a backup during load shedding. And I'm thinking, um, you know, as you were saying, the other big one I would think of would be to to change your light bulbs if you haven't already, so, so that you use LED bulbs. Uh, because I know the old-fashioned light bulbs are super inefficient. I know they might uh, they might seem cheap, but uh, but to me, LED makes a big difference. And then also, I'm guessing, I, I'm and I, I'm not 100% sure of this, but uh, is it possible to put a, a geyser timer in your own in your own geyser if you're living in an uh, in an apartment block? Correct. Both great points. I think LED lights are very important and uh, something that somebody would have to do as, you know, kind of one of the first steps to achieving, as you, as you call it, uh, energy autonomy, um, you know, or getting closer to, you know, energy autonomy. Um, and uh, yeah, those are both great, you know, great ways to save. And then I'm guessing, uh, you know, for someone that that has a uh, has a freestanding uh, property, and they, uh, you know, they they go through the expense of putting solar uh, panels on their roof, they put the solar geyser in, uh, potentially, you know, um, put the battery solution in. Uh, there, there will be a time when that battery needs to be changed, uh, however many years. But uh, but beyond that, I'm guessing the the panels don't, uh, you know, don't need to be changed every two or three years. I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to tell me that that's not the case. Uh, that that they can they can live on the roof for quite some time with with very little maintenance. Correct. So so panels are uh, very durable. They you know have a lifespan of around twenty odd years. Um, so, so you know that's a very efficient uh, you know place to start in terms of installing a, a system. And then I guess you can build around that. So uh, you know your inverter will hopefully last for. Five to ten years, maybe more than that, depending on the type of inverter that you have. And then batteries, uh, I guess there's different types. Uh, the newer batteries are sort of lithium, which uh, hopefully do have quite a long lifespan as well. Uh, I say hopefully because they're relatively new in our market, um, but they are being sold with, uh, you know, 10 year warranties at the moment. So, uh, and we, we don't seem to be experiencing too many issues, um, uh, you know, in the market. So uh, it's very encouraging because from a financial point of view, you, you can kind of work, you know, you can be confident to, to use that equipment uh, in your modeling and, um, and also, you know, to be sure that you, you know, buying products that will last that, uh, you know, you're not kind of, Having to replace every year, I think yeah. For for me, that uh, that would be a key point in this is that uh, you know if you're going to go on this exercise, um, you know spending a little bit more to to get high quality panels. The the inverter for for people like me that are not techies is kind of the brain of the whole thing, uh, and and then the um, the batteries. If you spend a bit more on those things, they do last longer. The guarantees that you get provided are are actually worth something, 
in terms of of service, etc. Um, and and I'm hoping uh, you, you know uh, that they do add to the resale value of a house. I mean, I think that's something that that time will tell. But I think people are at that point now where you know, as we said, for ethical reasons, that they'll want to consume less electricity from fossil fuel, uh, and and so you know, being able to produce some of their own would make sense. And then a lot of people like me, I guess, who are so tired of 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 light switching off, you know, in the middle of a podcast recording or uh, you know, just not being able to to kind of function on your computer because your Wi-Fi has crashed. Th- those things, I think, uh, you know, putting them in your house, uh, I do think will, will will add value. Uh, and I do think it's the right thing to do to put solar geysers on. You know, it saves electricity for everybody. It saves money for you. Um, and and the less power we're consuming at the moment, you know, unnecessarily, the better. So it just makes sense to me on on multiple levels. Uh, the, the one thing I've got, I've always got my favorite question, Craig, which I ask all our guests, and, and we're running out of time, so I'm going to prepare you for that now. But but the the one thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, if you were sitting there today and and this was all new to you, uh, what would be the one tip you would want to give somebody that's uh, you know that's looking at, at at saving money and 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 kind of let's say you know, using your angle in investing correctly? What would be the the one thing they should look at you know straight away? What, what's the one action they can take? So from my side, I'd say that uh, the best place to start would be with your geezer. It uh, contributes to a large percentage of your total electricity usage. And uh, certainly if you, if you can afford to install a, a solar geezer or a heat pump or a gas geezer, that would be you know, definitely the place to start, uh, in my opinion. Fantastic. Thanks, Craig. Now we're going to take you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Uh, and it's, it's my favorite question I ask all our guests. Uh, if, if, you're, if you could now, with the benefit of, of some life experience and, and having lived the life you've lived to this point, meet your 18 or 21-year-old self, what would be the one lesson you would like to tell yourself uh, at that point? And I know you're not a financial guru, so it doesn't have to be a, a kind of the best piece of financial advice you've heard, but what would be the one thing you'd love to teach yourself? Um, I'd say just to learn as much as you can and uh, to back yourself and be confident and take risks when, you, you know, when you're that young because uh, you do have time to, to build back and uh, you generally don't have too many responsibilities uh, you know, when you're 18 and 21 years old. Um, so I'd say, yeah, just, just to kind of learn as much as possible, you know, study if you can and uh, get something behind you and uh, really go for it then. Um, you, you know, there's very little to lose at, at that stage. If you, you know, lose a year or two, you know, you'll always be able to build back. Fantastic. Th- thank you, Craig. I appreciate that. That's uh, it is powerful advice. You know, I think, um, you know, I don't think any time is wasted if you're building experience. Uh, not, not all experience will be positive and some of our best lessons in life might be from, from the odd hiccup and the odd stumble along the way. And, and, and you know, those are the things that teach us lessons uh, when the numbers get bigger and the pressure gets greater. Those are the things we rely on. So I think that's brilliant advice. Thank you. Uh, Craig Isaacson from, from Unlimited Solar. It's been so great having you on the show. Really appreciate uh, your, your time and effort. I know this was a bit stressful for you in anticipation, but, but, but it was good. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate it. Thank you. Excellent, Warren. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.